Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Happy Friday. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today, April the 10th, 2020. Craig Mitchell along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show for the next two hours. A little distraction for you, a little fantasy talk, a little reality talk, maybe sports betting talk. You never know what we're going to get into here on this show. And that's why it's always so much fun. Thanks so much for watching all week long. But the bottom line is it's Friday, so that means Joe Ranieri finally gets a day off on Saturday. Not today, but on Saturday. So 24 hours away from that huge day off, Joe. What are what are the big plans for Joe Ranieri? Is it collecting baseball cards this weekend? Is it watching old Yankees games? I cannot even imagine what's on deck for you. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything like that. I got to go to, uh, you know, mom's house. I got to get the cards because uh, you've guilted me into uh, getting the baseball cards. So we're going to go ahead uh, and do that so we can share the collection uh, next week. Check out exactly who we got stared away there. We're going to have a little horse this weekend. We're going to have, uh, obviously, horse racing. Uh, a lot of horses going on this weekend, I'm feeling. That's the big thing. Uh, maybe we'll even watch uh, The Godfather, that, that scene in The Godfather. Maybe we'll have one of those uh, <laughs> happen. Make an maybe offer you can't refuse, huh? Not, not the best joke. Yeah, I, actually, there was like I was watching, there was like this Godfather channel. It was like 24-7 <laughs> mafia movies. You probably know what I'm talking about. Awesome. And, and uh, yeah, and The Godfather was on the other day, so pop that on. Um, nothing really new on TV that I've watched. Trying to th- mm. think if there's anything special. No, not really. It's been more or less just kind of paying attention to the news. And, of course, it is, it's uh, been Passover, so celebrating with the family. I got to say, I don't know if you're doing this on Sunday, Joe, but we had a – like actually, we, we used FaceTime. We didn't even use uh, Zoom or Skype for whatever reason. I don't know. But we had our whole family – on like the FaceTime apps. Nice. And, it, and essentially it's like when you talk, one person gets bigger and then the other person gets, ah, I don't think it's like optimal for TV, but we were you know, drinking the wine and doing the whole uh, Passover thing. The was, group effort, man. It's a group effort. Uh, and thank goodness for technology because if this had been 50 years ago, we uh, you wouldn't be talking to anybody. No, we wouldn't. We'd be standing outside each other's houses, like waving. Glass half full, but, man. I'm trying, glass half full. Well, I will say that this week, as we close out this week, it is, in terms of our world, I mm-hmm. will say I am at least slightly more optimistic I, I am this Friday than I was last Friday and even than I was the week before. So we right. certainly have that going on for us. It seems like there are a lot of people who are discussing the fact that more less people uh, potentially could pass away, which is obviously a good sign. Maybe we can even get back, back to some sports. Yep. Uh, but let's kind of dive into everything that's been happening uh, over the last, let's say, 24, 48 hours. We'll start okay. off with the comments made by LeBron James. And LeBron James essentially saying that there needs to be some closure. I think that was the quote for the NBA season coming up, which leads us to believe when LeBron talks, people listen. You know that, Joe. He's basically the pinnacle of the NBA. When he says something, they try to make it happen. And so if if things continue trending the right way for us, it may not be without any fans. And I, I know the NBA is going to have to make a decision pretty quickly here as to what they decide to do. They're, they're in a different situation than the sports in the fall and even Major League Baseball who can kind of stretch this thing out. But I'm guessing at the very least, maybe we will have that NBA playoff. Maybe we will have 16 teams making it. And if things sort to uh, continue to get better, maybe June or July we're finishing off the NBA season. I think it seems at least somewhat realistic, and I was happy to see LeBron say that because certainly we want anything back that we could possibly have. Listen, LeBron talks, like you said, you know, like EF Hutton, people listen. And the interesting part of what uh, we've heard now over the last couple of days in the NBA is we've heard uh, that Labor Day weekend is a, it seems to be a key weekend that keeps being brought up. And if uh, Adam Silver and company had their way, they'd be crowning a champion Labor Day weekend there, that first weekend in September. That'd be great. Uh, And that would work out absolutely perfect. And that would allow them, apparently, if you read between the lines, that would allow them to also not only finish the season but crown a champion. There might be some, instead of seven-game series, five-game series, but apparently um, there are certainly a number of plans in the works that – 
uh, that allow them to be able to finish the season and crown a champion by the first week in September. And we hope that that is indeed the case for sure mm -hmm. uh, for the NBA. Uh, over to the NFL we go. And uh, very interesting stories percolating from Tua Tagalova. And there's a lot of discussion. We could kind of dive in any direction you want to hear, starting with the former GM in the NFL, uh, Mike Lombardi, who mm -hmm. claims, not claims, I should not say claims, but I mean, I guess claims is kind yeah, of part of it, but we don't know for sure yeah. the answer to it. But this is what he says, and pretty good source, saying that uh, Tua failed two different physicals with two teams, that we don't know who they are. Um, that, that came out. Uh, then we had Lee Steinberg, the agent for Tua, mm -hmm. coming out saying he's 100% healthy. And uh, listen, you know, it's like kind of where there's smoke, there's fire here. You and I discussed this. Why go through great lengths to show that you're healthy if you are healthy? That is definitely a fair, and that's part of the conversation. And I think that this is going to go right up until the draft. I don't think anybody's really going to know at this point. But I guess, Joe, the question becomes, if you're a team in the NFL, is there this chance that Tua is, let's say, 100% healthy but has too many health issues to take a chance on it? And specifically, I know that the Dolphins are first and foremost in this conversation for sure. What, what do you think, Joe? What do you think happens in a couple of weeks? you think the Dolphins take that plunge or do you no. think that they go elsewhere? I don't. I, I really don't. The more people that, uh, that I talk to, I, it seems that uh, the less they're talking about Tua – uh, and they're talking about uh, the kid Simmons, of course, from Clemson. They're talking about uh, Herbert. Uh, they're talking. I don't about think they're taking Eason. Herbert. The people that I talk to, the people that, even... that I have talked to, Joe, I've broken. I've broken a lot of Dolphins news, of course, in the past. People right. know that. People that I've asked said no on Herbert. It will not be Herbert. It so won't it's be still... Herbert. No. no. It's amazing so... how quiet it is on on two. I mean, outside of them wanting to have talked. And again, I, this is. Sign of the times. I mean, just a, it's a, a you know a victim of circumstance here. But had they been able to get the doctors, get him in, do those types of things, I don't think it would even be a question. But there are so many questions still, and the lack of contact with the players right now, it's a big risk. Any which way you cut it, I mean, no matter how talented you may think he is, he's been under the knife three times in three years. That's there's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And look, the, the Dolphins are searching for their franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. I certainly think he can get an NFL redshirt in year one. I'm not particularly as worried as some of the other people are. Um, if, if you had to ask me my prediction for it, uh, I would say, I mean, that's probably not fair. I'm like doing a 50-50 here. But what I will tell you is, is that either they'll take Tua or they will not take a quarterback with that pick that they have there. I will say this. I believe they like Jordan Love a lot more than they like Herbert. Mm. But I don't think they're, that they're willing to take Love in that spot in the first round because they'd obviously be moving up 10, 15, maybe even 20 picks. Listen, Joe, there are a lot of people who are going into this draft that do not have a first round grade on Jordan Love. Right. And so if you're Miami, is this the situation that you want to be in where you move all the way up and you, with the fifth pick overall, you take a player who a lot of teams have projected to be the 17th pick or the 18th pick or the 25th pick overall, and you're exercising your pick on a guy that you're not 100% sure is your quarterback in the future? I don't know that they do that. So, in the end, I think it, it maybe ends up being more sm uh, smoke than fire. And inevitably, maybe the Dolphins just take two and this is all nonsense. And if so, we'll look back on this as another situation where all this essentially did was create a lot more buzz for the NFL draft. That certainly could be the case. But the one thing that I would express, at least from the people that I talk to, is that the Dolphins are not in on Herbert. So, we'll see. And we'll see no how Herbert, it plays out. No uh, talk sure. on Tua. I've heard maybe addressing it in the second round with a kid like Jacob Eason out of Washington where maybe Rosen uh, is still going to get another shot uh, if they opt to load up in a few other positions. I mean, I to me, no doubt, if you're going to stay in five and you're not going to go quarterback, then you're going to go Simmons. Wait, where, you're you're going to go defense. Where, where have, uh, have, have all the odds come out? I'd be curious to know where they have love uh, on, the, on the odds. Uh, is, is he, a, is he in between a 10 and 20? Pick? Yeah, in between 10 and 20. I mean, don't forget, four and a half is the number of the amount of quarterbacks taken in the first round. So when we do the math, right. love is in it. And, and the real question mark among the half uh, is, does somebody take a shot on Jacob Eason or Jalen Hurts or somebody or Jacob Fromm? But we got four. If we're going, if we're being conservative between yeah. Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Love, Who's going to be that fifth one to be able to go in the first round? 
Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I would guess that we'll have a lot more clarity over the next week or two, uh, especially after I think two has got his uh, had his workout or, or mm -hmm. he's having it, just had it or whatever. And so um, it's trying it's, too it's hard, really though, man, trying way too hard. I feel like that, too. Yep. I, I feel like that, too. I feel like if you're 100 percent healthy, you don't need to be putting all this stuff out there. That's, nope. At least that's the way I've seen it in the past. So. Uh, that's that's a predecessor for the future. Yep. Uh, quick, one more uh, quick NFL story. Uh, there was some speculation that maybe Jameis Winston can end up in Pittsburgh as the backup to Ben Roethlisberger. Then a couple of Pittsburgh reporters uh, poured water on that, saying that that's probably not going to be true. A lot of similarities, of course, mm -hmm. between Winston and Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. Roethlisberger being a guy that probably is at the end of his career, also yep. willing to take a lot of uh, chances that sometimes ends up in mistakes. I think that we could agree that if Ben Roethlisberger is to play in 2020, in all likelihood, it's probably his last year in the NFL. If not, he's got maybe one more year after that, which makes some sense. You have Winston sit out, watch a year, then take over in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm running out of places to find for Winston at this point, Joe. That's just the reality of the situation. I don't listen. When he when he congratulated Tom Brady for taking his job, that was it for me, man. The whole, uh, you know, whoo-hoo, you know, I can't be mad. It was Tom Brady. Like I, I, like, I can't. Like, there's no fight in you. There's no, you know, at least Cam Newton was pissed off. And Cam Newton's already planning on going scorched earth no matter where he goes. Uh, he's got Carolina. keep forgetting he's still out there. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to prove Carolina wrong for them turning it back. Jameis is basically going, oh, shucks, it's Tom Brady. You know, I should, yay, yay for me. Like, I, I, I can't relate on any level. No, look, uh, it's interesting that we have two starting quarterbacks, mm -hmm. uh, especially in fantasy, that were taken in among the first yeah. 10 that are still out there as free agency. I mean, who would have ever thought that? So that's uh, And Big Ben's got something to prove, too. You know, a lot of a lot of stuff out oh, of his camp. Sure. He's bent out of shape, too, man. He's got a lot of people who stuck a fork in him last year, so we'll see what kind of motivation he's got. Yeah. No, he didn't look good right before he got hurt, that's for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Nick Saban, some interesting comments from him. He told the ESPN, I, I caught this one, Joe, uh, you got the lighter side of Nick Saban, finally. It only took like 25 years, but you got the lighter side of Nick Saban essentially saying that he's got himself an email address now. Yes. He knows how to FaceTime people. He, he's still not texting. He's unwilling to do the texting. He said, if you're going to text me, you may as well call me. Oh, yeah, it's not a, not a bad take, by the way. By no, Nick it's really not. But, yes. but, but finally, after all of these years, I mean, Joe, I can't even remember the time that I did not have an email address. Now, I can remember texting, of course, because that only started over the last decade when we got our BlackBerry phones, at least for me, when I got my BlackBerry phone and then I moved on to yeah. uh, you know, the iPhone. Um, I did have like a Motorola Flip and I, and I was able to text, but that was like maybe I only had it for a few months and I knew we were you know, getting toward uh, texting at that point. So can you imagine, Joe, like I don't even remember the last time I... I didn't have any I mean, texting I do but email I feel like I've had email for like 30 years I don't even remember yeah, it's so funny too because I you know you maybe you sold your flip phone to uh to Nick Sam because that's apparently what he's got so oh uh, is that right? yeah oh, he's still so. got a flip phone guy so this is somebody that uh has never had to answer his emails read his emails right. uh somebody else has been doing that for a long long time for him so uh he's like a kid in a candy store he's like oh look at look at how cool this is I get email like i get to read my own stuff and i'm sure he's probably not happy about it too no no what was the first email you ever had joe do you remember you're like it was a hotmail it was a hotmail or a yahoo it was one of the or maybe an aol i think aol was big back i was aol yeah back yeah. in the yeah yeah hotmail and aol I, were the two biggies yep i i still use aol on occasion i i try to tell people now like just go over to my gmail and email my gmail yeah but i i've kept the aol and I, and I have it on my phone and you know I, I i don't have notifications set for it but every once in a while something will come through on the aol <laughs> you and, and i you and i, I looked at that too i think uh, with the amount of uh, messages that we have oh, uh, on gosh, our phones yeah. for the email the hacker, my hacker he had so much fun with all those well uh, your hacker and uh i think my yahoo account last i looked my yahoo account had emails from back in 2006 impressive yes and i was able to go out in 2006 uh yeah over 10 years so it was yeah it's uh, that's the one i hold the yahoo i hold on to aol i don't have anymore and that was and then everyone jumped on gmail but when you meet somebody and they're like oh oh i gotta it's uh you know abc at hotmail you're like oh you don't 
You don't really use email that much. Do you? That's one, and then the other one that I see is when somebody tells me they have an iCloud. I'm like, you got your phone, and you like yep. just accidentally hooked it up to iCloud. That's and you correct. Got an iCloud account. That's yep. Great. By the way, the, the uh, I should mention that, that the hacker reached out to me I, uh, and? the other day. First time, uh, just asked me some advice on on. Uh, I guess he hacked another Twitter account. Okay. And was asking me. Um, how I got mine back, like what the process was, because it's a verified account. So I kind of went through with him and told him, I'm like, you know, listen, you probably could get it back. And here's what I did. And I explained to him that you got to email Twitter, but you got to be patient because right. if you keep emailing them, every time you do, they kick you to the back of the line because people are always doing it. And also, I was like, you got to be patient now too, because with the pandemic happening, like, I mean, are, is this really a priority? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm like, and the other part is, is when you create the new profile that you've hacked on Twitter, if it's verified or not, if you put your location as Weed USA, the likelihood of you getting that back is going to be a little bit slim. Right. Yeah. So you're basically helping him hack other people. I wouldn't say that. I'm just telling him what not to do. Gotcha. Not a problem. No problem. That's all right. Yeah. Like, like if you put, like if you put in your location that you live as Weed USA, you're not. You're probably your Twitter's going to look at that, and that's going to be a red flag. Yes. Maybe. That's a good. green flag in this that's case. That's good. But you know, either way, in this case, I recommended not doing that. Hey, listen, if I was you, take a look out in your neighborhood and look around. There, that kid may be living around you somewhere, man. I'm just saying, he, he could be in your neighborhood going, uh, uh, it's that Mish guy down on the corner. I'm just saying, let me call him. He'll know what to do. I, I, I Look, I, we, we went through this. We've become uh, personal buddies here. <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, listen, I don't know. He hacked some, like, Australian basketball player. I, I love it. I lo You know, he doesn't go after, like, well, he went after you, but, I mean, he went, uh, yeah. he, he well, goes. Well, I was, I, right, I was, like, collateral damage <laughs> off of another player. But he, he, he goes through the me. athletes to get people. Is that how he uses them yes. as a conduit they kind of thing? They follow each other, yes. Ah, gotcha, they follow gotcha. each other, yes. All right. But Smart. not a lot of followers on this account. I think he'll, I think he'll end up getting it, but I'm like, listen, you can't just email them every second. Right. That was the mistake that I made. I looked online, and people were like, if you ever lose your account, do not pound Twitter. Right, they won't Send do them it. the one email, and then wait for like three or four days, then go in again. But if you don't, every time you do, they just kick you right to the back of the line. Like That's there's it. a queue for people who sign up, I guess. Look, yeah, I, makes sense. I don't know the truth, but inevitably, it took me about a week. It worked. And then I got everything. Yeah, eventually, it did. I got everything back. Bobby. All right, so uh, hack good hacking story to start off the show today. Yep. Uh, coming up next, uh, this day in fantasy sports, we've got that. We've also got our fantasy sports birthdays. That's coming up in a little bit. Our two iconic stadiums. Joe made a recommendation, actually, for both of the ones that we're going to use today. So uh, Joe, Joe, you know, had some opinions. We'll throw those in there as well. We'll talk about a little fantasy baseball on the steals aspect of it, and Gray Albright is planning on joining us here as well. This is Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Commission Joe Ranieri. And we'll be back right here on the show after this timeout. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Time for a little this day in fantasy sports history and also fantasy sports birthdays. We'll knock them all out for April the 10th. 2020 that's today so we're gonna go into the past mm. joe we're still we're still right in that range of a lot of masters champions yeah and a lot of golfing and that's just kind of uh you know it's interesting i've never done this before on any show that i've ever been a part of because you think about it, it's like a lot of what we do is always come up with interesting topics that's sure. not to say that this isn't interesting but there's nothing happening in sports so Spending the time every day to go through these now and and learn more about sports. Like, I'm actually picking up on things that I never knew happened before and, and going through what I think that the viewers may be interested in seeing as well. It's interesting, too, because you're going to have um, a, a lot of, to start baseball seasons off, right? This is, yeah. like, really the even, the, like, the first full week kind of situation. So I'm assuming sure. there'll be a lot of firsts over the next uh, next week or so when it came to baseball numbers as well. Yeah, and that's that's just part of it, and that's mm -hmm. early April. That's what 
you know, most people know it's the start of the baseball season. Yeah. It's usually the Masters. We've just gotten through the NCAA tournament. Now the NBA playoffs mm-hmm. would normally begin uh, right around this time as well. All right, so let's take a look. April 10th, this is what happened in this day in fantasy sports. We start off with a very critical one, which is, of course, Jackie Robinson. We'll get to his first game soon. But on April 10th, this is when he actually signed with the Brooklyn Dodgers, which Joe, changed the way that we view sports forever. It's, you know, what, what he had to go through to get to this point. And Brooklyn ended up signing him and becoming the first African-American player to play in the big leagues, paving the way essentially for everybody else in the history of sports. And we'll get to his first game, I'm sure, very soon. But this was the first day that he ended up actually signing with Brooklyn. That's great. Yeah, it's um, kind of hard to think about it. It was just before, I guess, just before the season started, right? So this would have been right around that time. Yeah. And they weren't playing 162 games at that point. So, yeah, yeah no. so it was, it was it was in early April, and, and Jackie Robinson plays with Brooklyn for many years. And, um, you know, certainly Branch Rickey takes a lot of and should get a lot of credit for actually signing him. And the shame of Jackie Robinson's career is, is that uh, he passed away way too soon, passed away at a very young age in the 70s. In fact, his wife, uh, Rachel Robinson, I've got to meet her uh, many times, very, very nice woman. So... Uh, we start off with Jackie Robinson today on the show, 1947. We'll move on to 1961. I, I don't think people realize how good a golfer Gary Player was. The, uh, the was it the Black Knight? I think it was Black Knight. Not the, yeah, the Black, I think the yep. Dark Knight because of, uh, because of uh, uh, Batman. But uh, anyway, Gary Player uh, met him many times also on the senior PGA Tour once upon a time. Remember how popular that was? Oh, yes. But uh, at the Masters in 1961, he wins and becomes the first international champion ever uh, on the PGA Tour. So I thought that this is one to bring up today. Of course, Gary Player, uh, to me, may not be in the conversation, Joe, as the number one all-time or maybe the number two all-time, but when you think of all-time golfers, he's in the top five or top ten without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't even think it's, um, you know, people don't remember um, that, he was that European player to what we, to Jack and Arnold, and we had Lee Trevino, and, you know, the Americans had their group, and, you know, you had, uh, you had really Gary from, uh, from um, South Africa, South Africa, right? South Africa yeah. is going to come in, and then he was really the guy that paved the way for people like Ernie Els and a bunch of other South African players that came up uh, in the tour over the years, so he was... Uh, and he was good, and he was—he wasn't all that big. Didn't hit the ball all that far, but my no, word, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, he can play straight up play. Three, ma- three Masters championships, yep. two PGA championships, one U.S. Open, and three British Opens yep. for Gary Players. So, and he okay, had to go through some... Arnold and Jack to get him. <laughs> That's right. So sure did. Pretty impressive. Sure did winning. Winning those were very tough for sure. Uh, 1989, April 10th, uh, 1989. Ken Griffey Jr. not only becomes the first player to ever play in the major leagues along with his father. Now, they did play on the same team. This didn't happen just yet. They were not on the same team as of this moment. But in 1989, on April 10th, Ken Griffey Jr. hits his very first career home run in the very first pitch that he ever saw. And as they say, the rest is history. It certainly is. Griffey Jr. went on to hit more than 600 home runs win virtually every accolade there is to come into the game. And when you talk about some of the greatest players of all time, especially greatest players over the last 30 years, Ken Griffey Jr. Joe is on every single list. Yeah, yeah, and as well he should be. I mean, let's face it here. It's hard to believe 89, 99, 99 to the 30 years. I, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. 30 years. 30 years. Like it was yesterday I was collecting that, kid, you know, that card. Everyone wanted a Griffey Jr. card. My word. 89 30. upper deck. Yeah, we showed it on the show earlier yep, in the week. Did you, ha- do you think you have any of those? Or I do. Gone? Yes, I I know I you do. Have upper yeah. deck? Yep, I absolutely really? do. Yes. Yep. And um, that's going to be one of the ones I'm looking for. I'm still trying to grasp <laughs> that's 30 years ago right now. I'm having a hard time with that. My oh, word. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Okay, oh. Uh, Tiger, Wo- Tiger Woods in 2005. He picks up his fourth Masters, mm. and then, of course, Woods played still you know, pretty well for a couple of years, and then yeah. there was that five, six-year period where he didn't win anything and had nope. all the personal problems and everything like that. But uh, that's where we're at. We're at the uh, Tiger Woods crescendo, essentially, yeah. of his career in 2005. So 
Uh, those was, are this day. I think we had them all week, before. right? The first, the second, the third. <laughs> I think we went through every one of them. It's didn't like we? mass. Well, it's <laughs> Masters Week. Yep. It, it mass- yep. Now, when we get back on the show on Monday, I would I would say we're probably going to be past a lot of that. But, right. Uh, as of this week, it's true. Like yep. a lot of the Masters champions did happen in that first, second week in April, and that's that's kind of where we are. Yep. But yeah, I mean, looking back on it now, it's it's just incredible. And like I said, when I'm putting this stuff together. There are these lists, and I don't know how these websites did this, Joe, but like through the years, there are these lists of all of the things that happen in baseball, all the things that happen in football, hockey, and then every morning I'm going through them, and I'm just, you know, cherry picking the ones that I think that are the best, but honestly, you could do shows on this stuff, and it's, it's, it's fun, because now I'm going to start remembering when things happen, and when this is all over with, and we go back to yelling at each other about Tua... We'll remember. Oh, it was, life was much easier when we had this day in fantasy sports. I'm That's right. Guess. Remember uh, when? Remember that when we uh, when we broke down Tigers every victory he had for a six month uh, period because right when from, Joe talked about uh, his Yahoo account. Exactly. Yeah, Hotmail. And uh, remember when I got hacked? I'm mean, oh, now I adopted the kid. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> He's outside. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> Have a seat. Oh my Next word! Put a paper bag on his head. He's fine. Good to go. Hold on, hold, let me hold on. Let me text him, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Ranieri. No, but hack him in there. Man. Yes. Tell him to offer me a shoe deal. I'm in. Uh. Yeah. What a sucker I was. All right. Uh, this day in fantasy sports birthdays. Ooh. Let's knock those out as well. Yeah. Whoa. We start off with the one that I think is the easiest one, the most popular one for sure. And it's so crazy, Joe, to think that nobody in the last 10 or 15 years has a bleeping clue who John Madden is outside of the football game. It is so true. They have no idea. But once upon a time, John Madden was a ridiculously good coach with the Oakland Raiders, ended up uh, with a Super Bowl or going to a Super Bowl. And then because he didn't want to travel around anymore, he ended up uh, basically leaving and going into the TV booth where he, for about 20 years, was the premier broadcaster in Mm -hmm. football. And then, of course, the Madden game comes out. I was all into it. I had my Sega Genesis, Madden 92, Madden 93, Madden, all those years of having it and playing it. And, and Joe, it's crazy to think that people don't even think about that. We haven't seen a lot of John Madden, by the way, recently, have we? No, we have not. And it's uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, uh, well, we know he doesn't travel well, right? So we, we know that's the case, that he just does not. Uh, he had the bus. He had the bus. He, he doesn't not get on planes. And I, I understand he was in a, his health wasn't all that great over the last year or so. But, uh, you know, listen, he. Right around when the game is released every year, he, uh, he's he got a couple of things to say. But uh, forever in my generation, anyway, Madden and Summerall will go down in sure. history, as far as I'm concerned, as the greatest, uh, the greatest ta- you know, combo, color, and uh, analyst that we will ever have. Uh, it's, set the, yeah. it's set the way for everybody else. And, and it was at a time where we didn't have the choice of watching a million games at once. Right. Like, that was the only choice when we were watching either CBS or Fox, and that was the primary game each week. The other thing that's interesting is that those guys, their style that they did it in, mm-hmm. it's not something that would that would fly right now, Joe. That's it, correct. It wouldn't, because they really weren't analytical about the game. It was just sort of reacting to what was going on on the field. That's correct. And And now you have to have a lot more that because people won't remember you and it's funny like i think that if madden and summerall were around now they wouldn't have been nearly as popular no nope. two reasons the first is of course on sunday you have your choice of games to watch now you can pick any game we didn't yep. have that it was just, i mean it, and even toward the end of madden and summerall's career yeah you could go watch the other nfl games but you had to like go to a bar or a restaurant yep. to watch it very few of us actually had a big satellite this is before direct tv we have big satellite where we could watch all the games so true so, yeah you were yeah. stuck we were stuck watching. Uh, that's why I was a Jet fan. I was, was stuck it. watching them. Yeah, it was terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Tasker, uh, born in 1962, goes mm-hmm. down, I, I think, is probably one of the uh, greatest uh, special teams players of all time, Joe. And, of course, went to all those Super Bowls with the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, will always, still to this day, in Buffalo Bill uh, Mafia land, uh, you will still see Tasker jerseys, as a matter of fact, uh, roaming around, no problem there. Uh, one of the all-time uh, greats and, and found a niche, and, and he was really, really, really good at it. 
Yeah, good broadcaster too. Yes, broadcasting for many years as well on CBS. Yep. Uh, 1980, we moved toward, and and we haven't had any NASCAR, so I thought I'd throw one in here. Casey Kane uh, actually got a chance to meet Casey Kane many years ago at Homestead Miami Speedway when he was sure. racing here, and uh, a very good driver. Mm -hmm. on, uh, once upon a time, it was the Sprint Cup, and then it was the uh, Nokia. They've they've changed the name of it so many different times of of what or Nextel. Next, yep. Uh, but. But, uh, you know, A.C. Kane, a really high-end uh, driver on the NASCAR circuit. He was born in 1980. Uh, 1982, Joe, Andre Ethier. Boy, what a very unheralded career this guy had with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yep. You know, he just was never the best player on the Dodgers. He's never anyone that, when he was on television, that you were like, oh, I got to watch Andre Ethier's at-bats. Yep. But he was really good for a decade with L.A. And then, uh, you know, it's like when you ask whatever happened to Andre Ether, oh, he just retired. Yeah. He just did. You know, really good career, but no one no one talked about him ever. Nope. Uh, for a few years there, him, uh, Kemp, yeah, you know, there were a couple of guys there during those Dodger days that just, uh, they were fixtures for a little while. Very good, very productive, and then next thing you know, they weren't there anymore. Yeah, Andre Ethier retired in 2017. He only played 22 games. He only mm. played 16 games in 2016. Uh, but he was a two-time All-Star, finished sixth in the MVP in 2009, mm -hmm. also won a Gold Glove Award, and was fifth of the Rookie of the Year. Just yep. a very solid player who played 12 years in the big leagues. Was he? Uh, what was he fantasy-wise? Did you ever uh, you remember... Uh... Him yeah, I, I had him. A, I had him a couple of years, I would say, but he was never spectacular uh, because he played in that era where there was a, you know, a lot of it was the steroid era, at least yep. the early part of it, and he only had one thirty home run season. So ah. he was like a twenty eighty type guy, yep. and solid but unspectacular. Yep, and, very good. And career. he had a really good career, like a little lifetime batting average two eighty five, lifetime on base three sixty. So uh, That's you know, a just career. a really good player yep. that, that we won't won't really talk about much. Uh, and then finally, we'll cap it off with an NFL. Uh, Robert Woods, wide receiver for the uh, Los Angeles Rams, born in 1992. So mm -hmm. happy birthday to uh, Robert Woods, who in fantasy, Joe, has those huge games mm -hmm. because he's just a monster in the uh, PPR format. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's just, you, you can play him every single week. It doesn't matter if Jared Goff is good, bad, or ugly. It doesn't seem to matter. So happy he, birthday. He was like they forgot. It was so funny because when he, his years in Buffalo there, when he was with them. It was nothing. Yeah, nothing. He was either hurt or he just, they couldn't yeah. get him the ball. And it was, you know, it was a mess. And then finally, you know, he really came onto the scene once uh, Sean McVay got a hold of him. So it's uh, yeah. still a guy yeah. you got to account for now. And, and had a good Super Bowl a couple of years ago as well. Uh, interesting, yesterday, his former teammate, Todd Gurley, I don't know if you saw this one, Joe, go, goes on Twitter and on social media and says that they were late on the payments. What's that about? And by the way, a lot of the reaction, surprisingly, mm -hmm. has been anti-Gurley, saying like, dude, like this is not the kind of thing that you do. If, if they owe you money, you know, just reach out to whoever you're going to get paid. I was surprised. A lot of people are not coming to Gurley's defense here saying, listen, a lot of us are struggling for money. A lot of us want to be paid. This is not the way that you do it. Uh, made for a fun tweet. Yeah. Made for a good retweet. And I believe Clay Matthews also came out and said that he hadn't been paid also or something. Right. But some people are saying it's a bad look for Gurley. That was funny, but now that I think about it a little bit more, maybe yeah. because of the sensitivity of the time that we're in. Got 16 million people on uh, filing for unemployment here in the last couple of days. They don't want to hear about how your million-dollar check's not in the mail. They just eh, timing, man, man. Nothing wrong with it, but you know everything is about know the room and uh, eh, not good. Self-awareness. Yeah. That's the problem with a lot of these athletes. Self-awareness. Yeah, because I I think that in general, <laughs> had this happened without what's going on in the country, probably this would have been funny and this- Oh, they would have ripped the Rams like pay to man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, because honestly, as it pertains to the Rams, Joe, especially from the fans in St. Louis, there's no love for uh, Crunky. the-, uh, the Oh no, there. Stan's not, yeah, Stan ain't gonna get a free steak in St. Louis anymore, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, they're not like big fans of him, so most people, I don't think, most people don't even like owners as it is. Right. But in general with him, they, you know, kind of said that he should have stayed in St. Louis. He made a commitment to stay, and then he didn't own up right. on it. But I suppose if you're Todd Gurley, you probably have a phone number of the person that could take care of this, and you very and you very easily could have just sent a text message. And yeah. It, it just. But like, do you have my new like, address? Do you? What do you need? Do you? <laughs> what did you lose? 
Yeah, probably a bad look for them. Exactly. But again, we can't blame can't yeah. blame him. He's uh, no. Feels, well, you look at this beautiful like new new stadium, and where's my check? Yeah, fair point. Yep. All right, we'll take a quick time out on fantasy sports today, and when we come back next, we're going to dive into. Uh, stolen bases and what of the world has Ooh. happened to them in reality and fantasy. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri. We're going to take a quick timeout. And when we come back, we dive into some baseball discussion. So don't go away. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe our show. YouTube, Zumo TV, Pluto TV, and Stir. Great ways to watch it. But especially if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like and subscribe button, which is right under you. We would appreciate it. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show, diving into some fantasy baseball talk, although we're still very uncertain as far as when or if a season will be played. We'll uh, give you a little bit of a taste each week, give you an update on some things that could be happening in fantasy. And with some of the historical drafts that we've been doing here uh, on the show, thought it would be interesting to dive a little bit deeper into the stolen base category. Now, uh, Joe, we've been reviewing these uh, previous drafts that I've been in, the 1980 through 1989 and the 1990 through 1999, and really incredible when you think of of the amount of stolen bases that there were and the attempts by managers to steal bases. Mm-hmm. But that has gone away at such an alarming number because I guess it's just essentially, Joe, that managers feel that if their guy gets on first, mm-hmm. why not keep him there and don't even take the small percentage chance that he would get thrown out because coming up next, a guy could potentially hit a home run. But I'm surprised that there just hasn't been more teams that have tried to go anti that, especially if they don't have the right personnel. I know that the Kansas City Royals are kind of sort of doing that a little bit mm-hmm. with uh, Mondesi and Merrifield at the top of their lineup. But for the most part, teams have just decided essentially it's not worth stealing bases. It's certainly not when, you know, when your ass is whiffing 200 times a season. Very hard to pull a hit and run when your guys can't hit. And that's that's another big problem that they have is that when you only have three true outcomes and that dominates your sport, it's either a home run or a strikeout or a walk, you think twice of doing those types of things, putting runners uh, in motion, getting them going, try to steal a base. A, they don't do it. So, you know, that's all timing and feel. You know how that is, but you got to yeah. get on base in order to be able to get that kind of feel. And I would never, tr- who are you going to trust to do a hit and run with on, on a consistent basis? So, it's one of the greatest yeah. tools yeah. ever in the game, and you can't utilize it. You've taken it out of the game because you have three true outcomes now. Yeah, no, it's it's fair, and and again, um, you know, risking on a hit and run, risking a guy getting caught, even if it's ten percent of the time, it could yeah. have ended up being a two or three run home run. I guess that my point would be is that I guess why like twenty eight teams in the league aren't doing it, but if you're going into a season and you know that you basically have no shot to compete against some of these teams that are going to end up hitting you know a thousand home runs over the course of the season, some crazy number of home runs. Uh, you know, or 300, I guess, is like the big number. Right. Why not just, you know, have your the top of your lineup and the bottom of your lineup all be base dealers and just give it a chance? I mean, it worked in the 80s. I don't, I don't see why it can't now. And you really don't have anything to lose. And I think that that's why Kansas City sort of dove into that a little bit last year. But they weren't really all in on it, and they didn't even end up uh, leading the majors in steals anyway. Uh, yeah, listen, the two biggest contact-hitting teams made the World Series last year. Right, the teams that all went to the long ball, the Minnesotas, the Yankees, that you know, where if they didn't in a home run, they were that was it, guys. It was it was yeah. over. It's the teams that were able to manufacture runs, put the bat on the ball. They were able to, of course, uh, you know, make it to the World Series and go seven games. And it doesn't it doesn't work, guys. It just you've got to be able. I mean, it's nice in a 162 game season, but in a seven game stretch. Put the bat on the ball here, guys. Manufacture runs. Get that base. Every every run counts. 
Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so um, I'm going to go before we get into the players here. I want to mm-hmm. throw some numbers at you, Joe. Um, from 1982 to 1999, there were at least 3,000 steals in Major League Baseball, which you know was a fair yeah, number. Two, okay. But in the past past 18 years, only twice has that uh, number gone over 3,000. I mean, that is just ridiculous. That's crazy. Um, in, in 2018, two years ago, 2,474 stolen bases was the lowest since 1973. And then in 2019, that number went down to 2,280 stolen bases overall. And I, as I mentioned, 2,400 was the lowest since 1973. So that essentially was the longest in about 40 or 50, uh, shortest mm-hmm. in 40 or 50 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the Giants also, uh, last year, this was staggering, they stole 47 bases as a team. That's it. The whole season, San Francisco Giants, 47. That was the, the lowest in the majors. Yep. And in, in just kind of reading through the comments, that uh, that you know some of the players have said that the reason why they don't think that they're stealing as much maybe a part of it also I don't know how you feel about this Joe is that the idea that there's a chance that they could have a stolen base taken away from them because of instant replay and instant replay wasn't around 20 years ago and so factoring that in could end up hurting them but my answer is there's going to be some times where you're, you're called out and it, you could end up being safe and you could get helped because of instant replay right unbelievable like uh, it's like i'll tell you what then do me a favor every time you get on base try to steal then you know the, the percentages are going to be with you so go ahead i mean uh, you are hoping to steal a base in order to get the call when you should have been out but you were called safe i mean that's got to be a 50 50 proposition anyway when you go back to the steals on how many guys were actually out when they were safe and vice versa. I don't buy it. I don't think they're comfortable. I think they're lazy. I don't think they want it to be a part of the game. I don't think they feel they're going to be able to get that contract if they don't hit 40 or 50 home runs and drive in all the runs. I just think the mentality of the player, too, has completely changed. Listen, pitchers aren't getting better at holding guys, right? The, the catchers aren't all that great. There's only two or three catchers I'd ever be afraid of not to run on. But outside of that, you got to be kidding me. You got a, you got a guy pitching for the Cubs who never threw to first base, ever. Everybody knew he wouldn't throw to first base. And your ass ain't standing on second base? Like, yeah, lazy. No, the guy, they, yeah, no, they just don't want to go. Yeah. And, and the problem that we have, Joe, is that our game in fantasy baseball, you know, started a long time ago. Yeah. And we're very hesitant to, to change. And the reality of stolen bases is that they're now so important in fantasy that in some ways Mm -hmm. the stolen base is close to as as powerful as the home run. Because if that's going to be a category in a league that you're playing in, you have to have it. And And how is that weighted usually? Like stolen bases would be on par with? With a a home run. A home run. So. So it's like you get a you get just basically a point for everything essentially. So uh, a stolen base is one, oh. a home run is one. Now look, if you guy if your guy has home runs, let's not be ridiculous. Your guy's going to get an RBI and he's also going to get a run along yeah, right, with right. it. So you're getting three categories there. But if you're talking about a player that's batting at the bottom of the lineup that hits 20 home runs and drives in 60, you'd rather have someone that does none of that, but the guy who steals 20 bases. Exactly. And that doesn't really determine how good a player is. And really shouldn't even determine in fantasy, but we are still using that Isn't as a it? category. Yep. And if it's so out there, you got to be able to so utilize just it. Get rid of it. Yep. Exactly. So it. There's some thought process to just get rid of it, but you know, it's it, it's a tough one. Yep. It doesn't properly value what you should. It's almost the the equivalent of saves now at this point too. Yes. Saves in Major League Baseball. You come in and want for one inning, you get three outs. That's as valuable as a win because it's a category. That's crazy. So yep. It's a uh, it, it's interesting to see just. How the problem that I have, you know, so much with baseball is that we just don't evolve in fantasy. We just keep things the same year after year. Eventually, we have to, we have to, I think, change with the times. But until that happens, deals are going to be very important. And guys like Billy Hamilton years ago. Joe, he was going in the first five rounds, three, was, four years in a row, only because he well steals he and does nothing else. Absolutely, yep, as well he, he should have. Yep, made total sense. I mean, and what do you, I mean, what's a, you get a guy that can average 20, 30 steals a year? I mean. Can't even find that anymore. You know, Who's he, averaging 20, 30 steals a year? No exactly one. correct. Yeah. I mean, there are, listen, 
we're going to go through some players now. Right. And there have been players in the last three or four years that have done that. But they do it, they do it, they do it, and then it just like kind of stops. And Whit, Whit Merrifield's a really good example of that. He had back-to-back years where he had 40 and 30 stolen bases. Last year, only 20. Yeah, and that's and that's, the cheese, the home run hitters have gotten cheesy too, guys. It, there were home run hitters used to hit 30, 40, 30, 40 steals too. Guys like Canseco and Bonds, like so. Yeah. Even when they got on, you like you were gonna walk them. Okay, walk them. They were on second base, and we don't we don't even get that anymore. Well, there's one. There's one. So let's go through. Right, let's take a let's, look let's here. Take a, let's let's take a look at the list here because there is one guy that's doing that. Um, so at the top we have Malik Smith of the Seattle Mariners. Mm. Malik Smith is is right now essentially the premier stolen base guy in the major leagues. He came over from Tampa to Seattle and stole 46 last year and played a full year. There there are some that think Alberto Mondesi mm. is the one that probably could steal 60, 70 bases, but this guy just hasn't been healthy the last couple right. of years. But if you take his numbers and put him over a 150 or 160 game season, he's the one that ends up leading the league in home run, uh, excuse me, in stolen bases. So I would say that there's certainly a chance that he could have 50 stolen bases this year. But we're going back to back years, by the way, with no one stealing 50. Wow. Uh, Trey Turner, I'll have third, but I don't feel comfortable doing it because with Anthony Rendon being traded, if right. there's a baseball season, Trey Turner is going to be batting third yep. or fourth. On the Nationals this year, he's not going to be leading off anymore. Good point. So, I don't, I don't even know that he gets the 30 stolen bases. But uh, clearly, the guy that has that shot, Joe, and he would have went 40-40 last year, but he missed oh, yeah. the last two weeks is Acuna. Yep. So Acuna is essentially the first pick in every fantasy draft, or the second pick in every fantasy draft. It used to be Trout, and it has been almost for the last decade. But Trout stolen base numbers have also uh, gone down sharply, and for good reason too. He's getting yep. older; they want to keep him healthy. But Acuna is the one guy. And he said he wanted to do 50-50 this year, but mm-hmm. he's the one that I could see doing 40-40. He, he would be the closest to that. And it, it's reminiscent of his power and speed of Rafael Soriano. That's, that's kind of the yes, one that he Yes, there you go. Yep. Yeah, he was a really good home run hitter, really good stolen base guy. Uh, and not much else, by the way. Right. A lot of strikeouts. Uh, um, Jonathan VR of uh, the Marlins, he, uh, he stole 40 last year. A couple of years ago, he stole 60. But the problem with the Marlins is that Don Mattingly, outside of having D. Gordon, has just not shown that he really wants to run. So, right. I'm, I mean, I think he's going to lead off for the Marlins. I think that he's got a chance to steal a lot of bases. But until I see it happen, I'm not really sure. Miami's base running the last couple of years has been near the bottom in all of Major League Baseball. But I have a VR fifth. But I think that with the takeaway from this, Joe, is that in the 80s, we could have done this with 15 guys. Yep. You barely can get through five players and two of them have steals in the 30s. It's, it's just crazy. the game has changed so significantly, and yeah. all of these names that I've just given you in, the, in this top five, you look at them, and you, outside of Acuna, maybe Turner, you'd say, ah, oh, these are like okay ball players. These are all round one, round two, or round three picks. Which is crazy. Yep. Only because of the steal. Yep. Yeah. What about a guy like uh, like Soto? Like, what? where was, you know, he was a guy. He stole what, 20, 20 last year. I, I don't know how he did it. He's not a fast player. So I'm going to guess that he'll never do that again. I, yeah. Honestly, Joe, I Outlier. don't know how he stole 20. Yeah, I, well, I, said, I was going to say, I thought he was in the 20s. Yeah, I thought he was in the 20s. I don't think that ever happens again. I think he just you know, caught the league by surprise. Okay. Let me take a look here. I, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he's not quick. I know that. But, no, he, he's, but he's, a smart, he's, he's a smart runner. So, And I don't know who uh, usually was at the... You know, some pitchers are a little bit more worried about who they were pitching to than trying to keep him on base. Yeah. So, so uh, Albert Pujols, um, over the course of his career, yeah. would be known as one of the slower players right. in the last 20, 20 years. So his steals went like this. And it, this happened a couple times with him. And he just basically decided that he was going to steal. Yep. Um, th- here are the steal numbers. One, two, five, five, and then 16. Wow. Like out of nowhere. Then he went seven, two, seven, 16. Wow. So, and, and then nothing again. Nine, eight, one, five, five, right. three, four, two. So, and I and I think what it is is that it, it's kind of a sneaky deal. Like, right. they go at opportune times when pitchers don't expect them to, but it does require a lot of effort. It also requires them to pay very close attention to the moves of the pitchers. Thank you. And honestly, a lot of guys don't want to put in that work. And Soto last year clearly did. Yep. Because I can tell you that he is not fast. 
And Juan Soto has no business stealing ten bases more than half, yep. stealing more than ten bases over half of the league. I mean, honestly, I don't even know how that happened. But you're right. I mean, he stole twenty, like a miracle. Yep. Yep, slow, and, and slow guy. smart guy, slow guy, but smart. And and to me, that's the whole thing is effort. If Albert Pujols can decide to score, you know, can steal 16 bases in a season, guys, A, it's because most you're not holding them on. So he knows they're not going to go on. So it's a free base, and it's all, it's effort. That's all it is, is effort. And that's the whole thing, man. I mean, who are some of the best pickoff guys that we've, you know, we've ever seen? You know, guys like, um, you know, Pettit was really good, too, right? Like, Andy Pettit was a great guy, chicken. Well, of course, you had to, you know, kept guys close because you were worried they were going to run. Pitchers don't have to worry that guys are running anymore. And I think it just, now all of a sudden, it's become strictly about the three true outcomes. Walk them, hit a home run, strike them out, and we move on. Yeah. Crazy. And, 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 and I, would think, I would think that there would be some metric or some analytic that someone could come up with to figure out how to have a major league baseball team where we flip the script and essentially we've decided mm-hmm. that we're we're going to do something different and we're going to try something different and run but the more i say it the more it goes the other way in fact uh, the best base dealer over the last decade without a doubt has been d gordon whether he's been uh, yes. on la yep. miami or seattle and the mariners decided going into this year he's not playing and they're playing this kid shed long at second base over him. And D. Yep. Gordon is just a utility guy off the bench. Why? Because D. Gordon's not batting 330 anymore. He's batting 280. And in a league where you don't hit home runs, stealing 40, 50 bases, they're just not interested in having it anymore. And if it's you're just, a threat, crazy. if you're a threat to run, doesn't that take the pitcher's focus off the hitter? And more on the runner. Isn't that what you, you want as think. a teammate? You know what I mean? Like, go ahead and serve me up a meatball because you're worried about the guy stealing second base. Like, we don't. I agree. I, I, I don't look. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Yeah. I going into last year, I was so curious what the Royals were going to end up doing. Mm-hmm. And while they did sort of execute their plan by stealing the second most bases in baseball, they did yep. not lead the league. That was the Texas Rangers, ironically. The Marlins team's speed is not bad either. They just don't, they don't run. run. They don't even try. They don't even try. Yep. Maybe that will change now with VR. If there is a season. Because yep. if there's not, then Jonathan VR is a free agent and he's gone. He he's leaving anyway. The Marlins. Yep. Never. He wouldn't have played one game with him. Crazy. Yep. All right. Uh, on that note, that'll do it for hour number one. We got hour number two coming up next. More fantasy discussion. Also, our iconic stadiums. Little college football action. We're going to discuss also Gray Albright from Razball. Nice. Watching fantasy sports today, right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Joe and I will be back in just a couple of minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 